0: This is the Greg Peterson experience. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a Wolverine purr. On vSIN, the sports Betting Network.
3: It's hour number two of the Greg Peterson experience on vSIN, the Esports Betting Network, and we've got a tremendous hour for you guys. We're going to be leading off with some college basketball. And then from there, we're going to be diving into some golf. We're going to be diving into some soccer, and so much more. As Brad Thomas, who does great work at MBC Sportsbet, and Anthony DeBundo, who does great work over at Action Network, they are going to be joining me in about 15 minutes, and we're going to be talking about just so many ways to be able to make you money. We're going to be looking at three different sports this hour, three different disciplines. So always love that because you're able to make money to, no matter what you're betting, whether that be. The Super Bowl that was a few weeks ago, whether that be the biggest of big college basketball games, whether that be the smallest of small college basketball games, or if it's golf, if it's UFC, which is coming up this week, you're able to go down the list. So, always great to be able to get just so many different perspectives on the show, and we're going to be getting that in our number two. and. A man that does a great job of being able to help out with those perspectives, my wonderful producer, Jason. Always do appreciate the great guest list that he throws out there night in and night out. And the Greg Peterson experience would not be what it is without all the help of everyone behind the scenes. I mentioned my wonderful producer, Jason. For those of you guys that might not be listening live, you might be listening, I don't know, in podcast form, visa.com slash podcast or wherever you get the best bets feed. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, list goes on and on. It is Sean that hooks you up there, and we've actually got two Seans on tonight because Sean is also getting me set up on audio. It's a different Sean. We've got a little bit of a pinch hitter, Sean, a man that has a love for UNLV, and as I look up at the screen as we're doing this live, UNLV is down 20 points with three minutes to go. Sean deserves a better fate than that because he does absolutely tremendous work getting me set up. But for those of you guys listening on sports Map Radio, what have you. And I believe that we've got another Jason as well that's helping out behind the scenes as well. So we've got Sean Squared and we've got Jason Squared. We've got a double S and a double J. I absolutely love it here. So we're pairing things up. And then we've got our one and only technical director, Nick. He is the everyday Ray King of Sha- <laughs> Everyday Ray King of Visa. And he gets us... Everything on the screen, whether you're watching on Visa.com, YouTube TV, what have you, all the wonderful graphics that is courtesy of Nick. So everyone has got us covered tonight. Everyone does their part and we've got to be busting out the two game funk that we're in with regards to DK and picks. And I will always remind you of this. Always look at the way that your bets lose and not just the win slash losses because I had a nice run going. Now we've hit a skid of two straight losses with that Indiana versus Purdue game. I still can't get over the fact that the under lawsuit to technical fouls, which that's just brutal right there. And well, I had Northwestern on Wednesday. And for those of you guys who watch that, Northwestern won the turnover battle by seven. They won the offensive rebound battle. Penn State just decided to go 13 of 28 from three-point range. A very good Penn State three-point shooting team. And that was part of the handicap as well. But Yeah, that was one in which I feel like if you were on Northwestern like I was, deserved a little bit of a better fate as Northwestern won. in every single facet of basketball, other than the fact that Penn State was just absolutely smoldering hot on the road. That just sometimes happens. So what do we do? We go back to the Big Ten and we go back to home team in the Big Ten. 733, 734 on the board. It is Michigan. They're going to be hitting the road. They're facing off against Illinois. Illinois is anywhere between a three and a half to a four point favorite. And your total on this game is 144.5. and a half and we're fire and we're firing up another big 10 home team going with Illinois laying three and a half. Now with Illinois, you've got a few concerns for the team as Matthew Meyer apparently missed practice because he had five monster energy drinks in one night, which I find that to be hilarious. But that said, We've got the monstrous question mark there. If you saw what I did there, but I think that he's going to be good to go on this one. And on the flip side for Michigan, you've got injury concerns of their own because with Michigan, Jed Howard has missed the last two games. And what I've noticed with Howard being out the full time, I think that he plays in this game. He was going through per game warmups in the team's last game against Wisconsin. Ultimately it was decided that as a game time decision, he couldn't go. And they made that decision. Pretty close to game time, so there was that aspect of it. But with John Howard on the floor versus off the floor, this is a Michigan team that operates differently. You may recall that last game that Illinois or that Michigan played against Wisconsin that went to overtime, and you saw like 35 points in overtime. It was absolutely ridiculous. But with this Michigan team, when they don't have Jed Howard out there because he's missed three games this year in regulation, so. That takes out the wonky overtime session that we did see. They're averaging sixty-five point six points per game, and it doesn't allow Hunter Dickinson to play as close in the as close to the basket because Hunter Dickinson is a very versatile player and in my opinion, one of the best players in all of college basketball. A guy that's able to give you right around 15 and points, seven and a half boards. Hunter Dickinson overall this season, when Howard is out there on the floor, he attempts one point four threes per game. When he's off the floor, he's been attempting four threes per game, and that's an issue because Michigan has only two separate guys that give you north of 4.3 rebounds per game. Terrence Williams is the other of them. Meanwhile, for Illinois, this team does a really good job of being able to rebound by committee. Matthew Meyer, who I'm assuming is going to go after his monstrous scare, has been able to do a nice job of being able to supply the team with 10-plus points. In 16 on the team's last 18 games, he's been a nice 6-foot 9 versatile threat, 12.5 points, 5.5 boards, shooting 36% from 3, but then you take a look at Dane Danger along with Coleman Hawkins. These two guys combined for 12 rebounds. They both give you between 9.5 and and 10 points per game. Terrence Shannon is out back at the fold as well. He has been massive for this team with 17 points, 3 assists. He buries in the mid-30s in terms of his 3-point shooting numbers, but the big thing with Michigan and having that Jed Howard injury is I do think that he's going to play, but he's going to be much less 100%, which means that Hunter Dickinson is going to need to do more away from the basket. And with Michigan, this team is going up against an Illinois bunch that they control things inside the arc. Illinois, 16th in the country in terms of their two-point shooting percentage on offense. They're also 10th in the country in terms of their two-point shooting defense which I think is just absolutely massive against a Michigan team that, I mean, they're a relatively solid three-point shooting team, but they're far from a great three-point shooting team. you have got somebody like Joey Baker that's able to shoot right around 39% from three, but he really doesn't do anything other than shoot threes. He's able to give you right around six or so points per contest. Without Jed Howard in the fold, that means that Kobe Bufkin, who's been averaging 12.5 points per game, he has to do a heck of a lot more for this Michigan team, and Michigan doesn't necessarily have great depth to start with. I do think that Illinois should be able to come out, should be able to do a nice job of controlling this game. And for Illinois, just so big that they're playing this game at home, allowing 17.1 points fewer per one hour possessions when they're at home, rather than when they are in a roadside shoot court environment. So my right up here, that is going to be on Illinois made them a six and a half point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay the three and a half with the ailments on both sides and the way that Illinois has really been able to back down the hatches with their defense. When they have been at home. I also did some. I told 142 and a half. You've got a pair of teams that are relatively mid-tempo. Illinois is a little bit faster than, than the average team in college basketball, but not by much. So I did some. I told 142 and a half. I'm going to be willing to dive under my right up here. That is going to be on Illinois. Let's take a look at a team that really does a good job of bearing down on defense and a team that has been able to cover big numbers for the last few seasons, this is 737 or this is 730 seven thirty-eight on the betting board. You've got Wichita State, they're gonna be playing against Houston. Houston is a favorite of 17 and a half to eighteen points. this game is F Actually, it is seven thirty-five, seven thirty-six, but with Houston, I did make them a nineteen point favorite. I'm gonna be willing to lay the number. I just take a look at this Houston team. And over the last few seasons, this team has been so good at being able to cover these numbers. That's not even funny. And it's just one of those teams that they always come out. You always know what you're going to be able to get out of this Houston team. They have been, over the last few years, one of the best teams at being able to hit the glass. They do a good job with their offense as well because we always give love to this Houston defense. And they're number two nationally in terms of points a lot on a per-possession basis. But this is also a squad that they do a nice job with their offense, ranking in the top ten nationally. In terms of points scored on a per possession basis, so much of that is Jamal Shedd. He does a good job of making sure that this team runs very efficiently as he only gives out right around 1.7, 1.8 turnovers per game while he doubles out five and a half assists per game. Houston as a whole, they shoot north of 36% from three-point range. Jawan Roberts, Jaren Howard, they combine for 13 rebounds per game. And Wichita State has actually given up 69 plus points in 10 of their last 11 games. It has not been a good Wichita State defense Now They actually do a relatively solid job of being able to rebound by committee. Kenny Poto, he's someone that's right around six ten. He's able to give you six boards per contest, but they really rely upon two guys in uh, Craig Porter Jr., Jaquan Walton to be able to get things going on offense. These two guys have been able to combine for 27 points per game, so they've been able to do their part. But for Wichita State, what is really the main bugaboo for this team is the fact that they just can't shoot threes. Their shooting is a collective 30% from the outside among your 363 D1 teams. The Wichita State team that ranks 347th in the country with this regard. Strangely, they've actually been a better road team than they have been a home team. Actually shoot more like 32.5% from three-point range on the road at home. They shoot closer to 28% from three and they give up right around four points fewer per one of possessions when they're away from Wichita rather than when they are at home. So, that has been something that has been very befuddling to take a look at, to say the least. I do think, though, that Houston, a team that has been tremendous at home. They've been tremendous on the road. They've been able to just dominate time and time again. They're going to be able to do so once again in this spot. Last time these two teams hooked up, you did see right around 131 points go, go up on the board. But I do think that Houston going to be able to do a nice job. Forcing Wichita State into some more turnovers, so I did set my total at 129. I'm diving under with Houston. Made them a 19-point favorite. They are 19 and 11 against the spread. Houston is as a favorite of at least 15 points in their last 30. I'm going to be willing to trust in them once again, and I always trusted these two gentlemen, Anthony DeBundo, Brad Thomas. We're going to be joined by them next, taking a look at some soccer right here. I'm Greg Peterson, experience unbeaten the Sports Pay Network.
2: I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
4: podcast. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step.
0: you're experiencing hoops peterson himself on vsin the sports betting network
3: before you make your next bet be sure to visit vsin.com to check out the current betting splits data want to know where the money and the bets are heading on every single game well the uh, betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes so that way you're able to see all the changes in the action Find out right where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match up with the public opinion. Be able to check out not just today's action but future events as well as V-SIN is here year-round with tools like spending bl- splits to make you a smarter better. So check out today's spending splits for every single game now at VSIN.com. We're back here on the Greg Peterson experience on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network, and you miss any picks made by any of the guests on today's show or by myself, visa.com slash picks for all that, as well as we've got a tremendous je- guests joining me right now. Anthony DeBundo does great work at action network in about 10, 15 minutes. We're going to be talking with them about some EPL, but Anthony, much like myself, loves some college basketball. And for those watching on visa.com, he's sporting a nice Syracuse shirt. I absolutely love it. And Anthony, I always do appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, combining both of my worlds with the Syracuse soccer
6: uh, jersey tonight. But yes, the Orange will not be doing much in March. And every
3: single time Syracuse would weasel their way into the tournament, they were always locked to make the second week of the tournament. The lower the seed for the Syracuse Orange, the better things were. But Anthony, just in terms of conference tournaments, we'll dive into this before we look at some games thursday does your handicapping approach change a little bit when it comes to these conference tournaments rather than when it comes to taking a look at the regular season because i do think that there are more interesting elements that come into play teams trying to survive in advance especially those are in the smaller conferences that are in a one-bid league and i do find it to be just a little bit different handicapping these games rather than the ones that we were seeing in january and february
6: Yeah, I think it's really all about circumstance and opportunity. You know, a team like, you know, we were just talking off air about Villanova, who really struggled through the first half of conference play, was injured, doesn't have the depth, doesn't have the shooting. You know, some close games went against them. Pretty much everything that could go wrong went wrong. Uh, And now we're seeing that Villanova's really turned their season around. And now they're, I think they're alive to make a deep run in the Big East tournament. They're going to get, you know, Georgetown, then Providence, then potentially Xavier. So it's not going to be an easy path. Uh, that's just to get to the final it's never easy Uh, and the market has caught on to them but you know a team like that or another team that i wrote about was uab uh with jelly walker missing time they lost three or four games by one possession in uh in the conference and so now they're going to be like the three or four seed going into their conference tournament but they're just as good as the one and the two at the top there i mean uh I think that they're live 100%. FAU, of course, looks like the, the class of that league, but UAB, you know, played them within a possession in their last meeting. So it's not like there's a huge gap between the Blazers and and the top two in the conference. So they're a team that you get on a neutral court, anything can happen, they're going to have the best player on the floor in a lot of those games. So, you know, really identifying the team that if everything went right, who could make a run? You generally want teams that have more depth, teams that slow games down and play slower are teams I look at target. Teams who can make or take a lot of threes, anything that really makes these games, uh, you know, higher variance, so that you can get more, uh, you know, flukes or bounces or or hot shooting nights to go your way. So Villanova, UAB, uh, Virginia Tech was a team I hit last year. It's going to be tougher this year. They're sitting like forty to one to win the ACC at one book. That's opened up a line so far. They're going to have to go five and five. I don't know that they can do that this year. They don't have the quite the quite the same juice, but. Uh, probably will have a small sprinkle on them to do that too. And then Washington State out in the Pac-12, maybe perennial underachiever the last year or two, but they are a team that shoots a lot of threes, plays slow, has the talent.
3: They put it together for three or four days. They could win it all. Absolutely. I do think that there is so much intrigue with a lot of these conference tournaments because one that is going to be really getting going in full force. We saw the opening games happen a day or two ago out there in the Sun Belt but I know that there's a team that you like out there in James Madison that's at four to one and I think that they fit pretty much all the criteria that you were talking about they've got good depth they're a team that they do an amazing job with their defense. They're in the top 40 nationally in terms of points a lot on a per-possession basis. How do you view this Sun Belt? Because I know that a chic pick for many people has been South Alabama, a team that I do like on uh, Thursday to be able to get the cover. Pretty much anything less than four, I'm willing to lay with them. But I do take a look at the Sun Belt. It's a relatively equal conference, but I do think that James Madison does lend itself with some value. And if they make the NCAA tournament, could be able to pull an upset. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I'll be looking for South Alabama to, to potentially make a little
6: run here, and maybe knock off Southern Miss in that bracket for me. I like the matchups for JMU in the first round, regardless of who they get or the, their first round. Uh, what you know, it's likely to be Troy. They match up pretty well with them. You mentioned the depth. They like to run. You know, they play pretty fast. Uh, so that's not necessarily something I love, but they had the depth to do it. And if they were to get Southern Miss in the semis or Marshall in the championship, the two most likely opponents for them, uh, Marshall would be playing three and three. Uh, and Marshall has no depth whatsoever. So I think it's a it's a tough ask for that Marshall team that, you know, running gun, shooting a ton uh, to play three and three with no bench, whereas JMU is going to get them uh, and have much more, uh, you know, legs left by Monday night when that final could potentially be. So JMU at four to one. Uh, was a team that I eyed up and bet, uh, like you said, I'm actually, I think South Alabama was live to pull off that upset. If South Alabama were to win, uh, they would be playing, you know, four in fourth game in five days, getting to JMU potentially. So I think that this bracket could break well for JMU to kind of coast into the semis and then, you know, either get an, an uh, you know, a, a tired team or a Southern Miss team that I think they're pretty much a coin flip
3: against. So at four to one, I, I like JMU. And I must mention, your use of the phrase, run and gun and shoot a ton. That is A-plus work right there. I absolutely love those sorts of just little sayings and little rhymes that we've got. So that's always a lot of fun. And I know that you're a man that you do a good job of taking a look at some of these Pac-12 teams as well. And we've got one interesting matchup, in my opinion, that is going to be going down. For Thursday out in the Pac 12, and that would be the USC versus Arizona game. Arizona open up as a two point favor. We're seeing this move to two and a half in quite a few markets, and total, it opened up at a 156. We've seen this come down quite a bit. Most places hovering right around 155, 155 and a half. What are you saying on this game? Because the first time these two teams played, it was one that stayed pretty comfortably under the total. Arizona was able to take over because they shot like 50% from three-point range. I do think Arizona is a better team. I'm willing to lay the small number, but I do think that this total being inflated the way that it is, it's gone too far.
6: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I bet the under 155 and a half. I'm okay with this all the way down to 153 and a half. I think this is just too high. You mentioned it. I mean, the first meeting had 147 points and Arizona made 50% from 3, 12 from 24. If you think about both offenses in the, in the matchup here, you know, Arizona with the ability to play high low with Jabellos and Balo and get to the rim and finish at the rim at an elite rate, uh, that's a huge advantage against most teams where they have size advantages and they have Uh, skill advantages down low, but it's very hard to get to the rim and score against this USC defense, which is one of the best interior defenses in the entire country. They take you out of your rhythm. They don't let you uh, get your stuff at the rim. And I think that will bother, especially to Bellis in this matchup. Now on the other side of the ball, I've been saying this for a few weeks now. I think Arizona's biggest flaw is their perimeter defense. They let you take wide open looks uh, they do not take away the perimeter well enough. I think when they play a good shooting team in March, they're going to be vulnerable. But USC doesn't really shoot many threes. They're not very efficient from shooting three. Uh, it's it's really an inconsistent offense at times in the half court, especially. They like to get out and run when they can, and they'll get some opportunities for that against Arizona, but not enough to get all the way to 155 here. So I like the under.
3: Yep, I'm right there with you, and I know that in terms of some of the conference tournament action. You're going to be taking a look at the ryzen league and this game is going to be very notable not just for the fact that the old young sound state penguins are looking for their first ever ncaa tournament appearance which that would be very nice for them but We've got perhaps history that's going to be made in this game as it's Detroit and Youngstown State. Youngstown State, pretty much an eight-point favorite across the board with a total of 156, 156. Half. Antoine Davis needs 26 more points to be able to break the record of Pistol Pete Maravich. Do you think that that has anything to do with the line that we're seeing right now and is perhaps causing a little bit of overinflation with regards to the total? And how do you view this game in general?
6: Yeah, I like Detroit Mercy. Uh, we talked conference tournaments. I bet them 25 to 1 a couple days ago to win the Horizon. This is the big hurdle, right? They're plus 300 to beat Youngstown State, the best team in the conference. Love the Penguins. I've liked them all year, but uh, I do think this spread is a little bit inflated here. I'm going to take Detroit plus 8 as well. If you look at you know, the the two meetings that they played, Youngstown went to Mercy and won by five. It was a very close game down to the wire. And then when they played at Youngstown, Detroit actually led by uh, double digits in the second half and Youngstown went on an absolute barrage of three point shooting. And that's something they can absolutely do. And they can run away with this if they're hitting all their threes. They're a very good shooting team. Uh, But Detroit really was in the game until that that huge run late. It was a very competitive match uh, matchup. So I think this is going to be close again. You know, you mentioned the scoring record on the line. I think uh, you're going to see an inspired defensive effort from Detroit uh, playing for its season.
3: And Detroit has actually been playing some better defense recently as well. And a man that always does great work is Anthony DeBundo. He's going to be rejoining me next along with Brad Thomas of NBC Sports as we take a look at some EPL right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Beeson, the sports betting Network.
0: hoops peterson himself on VSN, the sports betting network
3: in addition to the new shows that VSN has rolled out we've got new podcasts to give betters the insights and tools to make confidence when stepping up to the window and making betting decisions VSN continues to expand its catalog a popular sports betting podcast to cover every corner of the sports betting menu. No matter what sports you like to bet or how experienced you are, you'll find a podcast that's perfect for you, like the VEASAN College Basketball Betting Podcast. Tim Murray hosts three episodes each week with invaluable contributions from alternating co-hosts Matt Humans and Adam Burke, the VEASAN Hockey Podcast. That is featuring Danny Burke along with VEASAN betting expert Andy McNeil. They cover all things on the ice. Twice a week, and they're all free and available now at visa.com slash podcast. Wherever you get podcasts, as we're back here on the Greg Peters at Experience on Visa, the Sports Betting Network, and we are now joined by Brad Thomas, who does great work at NBC Sports Bet. He's joining the fun with us. As we've also got Anthony DeBundo, who does great work over at Action Network, and Anthony, I'm going to lead off with you on this one, as I know that in terms of the EPL this week, you're taking a look at this Man City versus Newcastle match, and Right now we're finding a total of three, a little bit uncommon as typically I find a lot more of these totals being more around a two and a half. What are you taking a look at in this one? And why do you think that there's going to be a three up on the board for this match rather than a two and a half?
6: Yeah. I mean, Manchester city is one of the best attacking teams in the world uh, on a match to match basis. And this is something I've talked about now, I think a few times on this show and it's that city is attack this season compared to the typical city that we remember uh, is not quite firing on the same level uh, of years past. And so even despite adding Erling Haaland, who's going to win the Golden Boot and has 25 goals already in, this, in, the, in the league, uh, they're they're getting less shots, worse shots, and uh, fewer expected goals per match this year. And now they're going up against a Newcastle defense, which has acquainted itself well uh, under new manager Eddie Howe. And since the takeover in the last calendar year, they've been the third best defense in the league by xg allowed they've only allowed 15 goals it's a pretty stout defense and what we've seen for newcastle as their form has kind of declined is that the attack has fallen off and if you look at you know the talent on paper it shouldn't come as that much of a surprise they had a lot of guys that were playing above their talent levels they've fallen off a little bit and the last meeting between these two teams ended 3-3 it was a crazy back and forth Uh, newcastle really surprised city with their transition and their counters I don't think Pep is going to allow that. I think uh, the the manager for City, notoriously conservative. He's going to make sure that those things don't happen this time and that City has more control. So I like under three,
3: uh, minus 120. Yep, and this is going to be one where, Brad, you're going to be taking a look at some scoring in this match as we've got Wolves and Tottenham. Tottenham (laughs) right now on the three-way line. They're hovering right around about a plus 115, plus 125 the draw is hovering right around plus 225. But I know that you're going to be straying away from the full game total. The total is two and a half. Instead, you're going to be looking to do something a little bit more unique with the total. Take me through what you do like in this match.
5: Yeah, Wolves versus Tottenham. I'm betting both teams to score in this match. For me, this just becomes a power fade of Tottenham in their schedule and how much they have going on. So they just played an FA Cup match against Sheffield United, which they lost doesn't matter. They then play again next week against Milan in a match that they must win if they want to continue the European play, which means that's three matches within about a week's span. That's a lot of tread on the tires. And even if they didn't have those matches, I can't say honestly that I would want to trust the defense of Tottenham. They've been off leaky throughout the entire season, and now they play against a Wolves side who just had to play in Anfield and got shut out. This is a talented Wolves team who know how to get one. So, my question is I know Wolves will score one at home. Will Tottenham get one as well? I think I would like to take that at minus 125 just because I believe that Tottenham are going to want to get something out of this game. And if Wolves score, they know they're going to have to respond. But not necessarily a win is something they're looking for, but just a result, which means if this match ends 1-1, we still cash and we don't have to worry about getting an extra goal to cover the over two and a half total.
3: And if it lands one-to-one, Anthony is going to be getting to the window as well because you're on this match as well, and you took the under <laughs> of two-and-a-half. So give us a counter here. Why do you like this total under, Anthony? It's funny. We just talked about this on our on our soccer podcast,
6: Wonder Goal, and we had this exact conversation because I said uh, to <laughs> my co-host BJ, I said, I think this could easily end 1-1. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't really see uh, Tottenham having a ton of attacking success here. I mean, this is a Spurs attack. I know they scored two at the weekend against Chelsea, but they, you know, they created like nine total shots and about 0.6 expected goals. It was a, you know, a set piece goal Uh, Wolves, uh, you know, the two things they rely on for most of their goals are crosses and transitions. And it's hard to get those against Spurs because Spurs are pretty conservative and they do defend the penalty box. Well, um, so I think that, you know, Wolves will struggle here, you know, to, to get consistent goal scoring opportunities from close. They they have the longest average shot distance in the league, so they take a ton of shots from long distance and and don't generally have a ton of success. But even if they do get one, I can't see Tottenham you know thriving in this situation either. Spurs are the most set piece reliant team in the entire league, uh, but away from home this year they're averaging less than one expected goal per match, so they have not been a very good attack away from home. I agree with Brad. I think this could end one one. Uh, the markets you know suggesting that somebody gets to two here, I'd be very surprised. Uh, I like the under two and a half. Uh, You can find that at minus 120 as well. Uh, Wolves, uh, you know, as good as their attack can be at times in transition, uh, they do struggle to get those high quality chances that you need to to finish consistently.
3: And I know that uh, under that you do like, Brad, you're also going to be taking a two and a half on this one as well. It's Chelsea versus Leeds. Chelsea, pretty big favorite at minus 260. Leeds has been... Rough for them to be able to get their offense going to St. Louis. So take me <laughs> through this one. Is this more or less just a fade of the Leeds offense, or is this just how good Chelsea has been also on the defensive side of things?
5: I guess you could consider this a fade of both, right? Like Chelsea have gone under the total in six straight league matches and they're playing against the lead side who've changed managers and Javi Garcia has this team, not pressing as much, not high octane, but sitting more behind the ball. And for Grand Potter's men in Chelsea, they, they haven't been all that impressive. They ha- have all this attacking prowess, but they often struggle to find the back of the net. You can see this is a team that probably deserves more goals than they've had throughout the season. But what's that remind you of? That reminds you of Brighton when they were under Grand Potter. We kept saying... Oh man, that Brighton team—they deserve more goals than they got. They have this high xG, but they don't have the same goal output. When I watch this, to- uh, excuse me, when I watch this Chelsea team play under Graham Potter, it's the same exact sentiment I had of Brighton. It's just chaos. It's a lot of movement, not a lot of actual quality finishing. And I'd like the under in this situation. I, I mean. It- if we get to two, like if this game gets two nil and it's like the the 50 60th minute, that's where you go and you smash the live under button because I don't see this game getting out of hand. It's going to be uh, probably I would imagine it finishes one nil two nil. I don't see lead scoring, uh, especially not on the road. And Chelsea, they're just not going to have some show out party. There's this this is not in their makeup, not in their team's identity
3: this is one that bookmakers think might be getting a little bit of a hand as it's arsenal versus Bournemouth and Bournemouth plus 1100 on the three-way line. And Anthony, I know that you're taking a look at this match. I don't think you're taking a look at the Bournemouth money line, but I know you're taking a look at a little bit of an alternate bet here. Take me through what you do like on this one, because arsenal very chalky minus 425 favorite. Yeah, I've seen crazier things happen than 11-1 in the Premier League, but uh, I will not be
6: betting that on <laughs> Saturday. I will be betting the Bournemouth 2-score number at plus 105. Uh, I think there's some real regression here for this Arsenal defense. If you look at some of the underlying numbers, uh, in the first half of the season, they were the best defense in the Prem. They were conceding about 0. .6, 0. .65 XGA per 90, so expected goals allowed. Uh, they've allowed either multiple goals or at least one expected goal in every match since uh, January 10th. So we're looking at a pretty long span here. It includes games against Tottenham and, and uh, Manchester United, but also includes games against pretty average to below average teams when you're looking at you know Everton and whatnot. So they, they've had one good defensive performance in the last month and a half, and they haven't quite been punished for it. But I think Bournemouth, they did, they did make some January window signings Uh, to improve their attack. They were the worst attack in the Prem in the first half of the season, but they're showing some more signs of life. They did get one against City last weekend. Uh, I like them to score at plus 105. I just think this Arsenal uh, defense is starting to get a little bit exposed. People are figuring out what they're doing and adjusting and and, and exposing some holes there. So I like the team total. Uh, Arsenal probably wins, you know, 2-1, 3-1, but I think the Cherries will get one on
3: Saturday. I do think that's a good way of being able to take a look at it as, I mean, my goodness, minus 425 on the three-way <laughs> line. You just don't see that very often. And you also just don't see as, as many people as talented as Anthony Debundo does amazing work over at Action Network. Anthony, you join me for a little college basketball. You join me to talk a little EPL. I always do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Always great to have Anthony Demundo aboard. And we're also joined by Brad Thomas, who does great work at NBC Sports Bet. And he's going to be joining me on the flip side. He's got one more premier bet that we're going to be taking, or one more EPL bet that we're going to be taking a look at. So we're going to be diving into that. And on top of that, he's got some nice looks at at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. That's going to be going down this week. So talking some soccer and golf with Brad next, right here on the Great Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Betting Network.
4: You're
0: experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on v the Sports Betting Network.
3: With the Arnold Palmer Open and UFC 285 this week, head on over to BetRivers Online Sportsbook because BetRivers has a cover for every line item boost. For all the golf fans out there, BetRivers is the place to bet the Arnold Palmer Open. With top 10 insurance, place your pre-tourney bet on an outright winner, and the fun does not stop there as BetRivers has you covered with UFC 285 parlay insurance and so much more. Check out BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app today as it's a whole new game. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VC the Sports Betting Network, and we're being rejoined by Brad Thomas, who does tremendous work over at NBC Sports Bet. Brad, I know you've done a great job of breaking down the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and we had a riveting conversation on (laughs) Arnold Palmer drinks. And the fact that my favorite ones are these spiked ones in the, in the break as well. But with that said, hopefully we don't need to spike the beverage on this last soccer pick that we're going to be doing with you as well, because I know that you do a great job on the, on the pitch as well. And, I know you're taking a look at one of the more marquee matchups of the week in the Man U versus Liverpool matchup. And this is relatively tight on the three-way line, but I know you're going to be just avoiding the three-way line altogether when it comes to Man U, Liverpool. Take me through what you do like on this match.
5: Yeah, so I'm going to be on Manchester United draw no no bet. Excuse me. That bet is at plus 102, plus money most places. First, I'm going to give a little precursor to this bet. It is hard to win matches in Anfield, so there's a reason why it's plus money, right? Like, if you look at Liverpool over the past few years, they are practically unbeatable at home. But this is not the same Liverpool over the last three years. They are a team that's trying to work in their new signing in Cody Gakpo, a team that's trying to work in, Diego Jota is coming off of injury. And they're a team who, I'm just going to put it pretty clearly, their midfield stinks. Their back line is aging out. And I think that this Manchester United team will give them fits. One thing that we can say about this United team is ever since Eric Ten Hag has come in, they have changed their philosophy, right? Everyone knows the storied Manchester United, all the titles they won. But there was a time, a short period, where they kind of lost their way. And then they bring in Ten Hag over from Ajax, and they're like, we need you to rebuild our team. They are light years ahead of this rebuild project. Why? Because they trade hard, and they're tactically sound. He's turning guys like, like Marcus Rashford into world-class players. Marcus Rashford's playing. It feels like he's scoring in every game. There's the addition of Casemiro coming over from Real Madrid. It's probably the, one of the most under-talked-about signings of the entire season. He is literally scoring goals. He's assisting goals. He is the bridge to the defense. I think that they have a very good chance of getting at least a draw in this match. Like I would be shocked to see United lose this match. So I'm going to take a little bit of a more aggressive route and bet them to draw no bet, which means if they draw, I get my money back. But I think they surprise a lot of people this weekend and get one, uh, get all three points at Anfield.
3: I love it. I think that that is going to be such an interesting match coming up for this weekend. This is going to be a fascination as well as, We've got the Arnold Palmer Invitational that is going down out there on the links, and I know you've got a few top 10, top 20s, you dove into the derivative market, and you also took a look at quite a few outrights as well. Take me through just how you handicapped this event in general and what you all like out there for the Arnold Palmer this week.
5: Yeah, you know, living here in Orlando, Florida, I'm about a 15-minute drive from Bay Hill, and I've into this course, walk this course multiple times, and one thing I can tell you that you probably don't even need to be boots on the ground to know is this is a difficult golf course, right? If you, it's long. It requires a ton of precision off the tee because if you miss the fairways here, you're going to be in thick, thick rough. Pretty much, you put your hand in the rough, and the rough is going to be about this high covering your hand. Mm. Um, there's a lot of bunkers that are surrounding these greens, so you're going to have to be great out of the bunkers. And then... To make matters even more difficult, the greens are really lightning fast. You'll see a lot of these guys struggle too because most of them didn't play at the Honda, so they're coming from the left side of the of the United States over on the West Coast, where it's past Palom and Palana greens, and now they're playing on Bermuda. It, although it's, you know it's just a putting surface, it does matter a little bit more. That's why you see guys who who you know they they're from Georgia, they're from Florida, they play in these uh, Bermuda greens and they do so well. So I'm looking for guys who are great off the tee. They gain a ton of strokes on approach, uh, you know, sand saves are high and they're really good putters. Um, because here, like even the hardest hole, I mean, excuse me, even the easiest holes on this course are rate more difficult than the holes that are on other golf courses. Basically what that means is when the players finally get a chance to relax, they get a chance to breathe. No, no, no. Think again, this hole is not as easy as it looks. You'll even hear guys like Rory McIlroy last year talk about it is so unfair how challenging this golf course is because you make these good shots and you're not rewarded like you are, like you should be. And so you want to get guys who, you know, kind of have that, that, that spine who can get through a bad stretch and not card too many big, big scores on their scorecard.
3: I think that that's such an interesting way to be able to take a look at this course guys that. They don't necessarily bottom out. And who are the guys that you are taking a look at in terms of something of outrights, because I know that you've got a few guys there towards the top of the odds board. And you've got a guy that is as far down as a hundred to one.
5: Yeah. Justin Rose, Rosie hundred to one. He was my first click this weekend. I don't think he should be priced at a to one. When you think about a golf course? That's that's going to be, it's going to play pretty windy this weekend. Uh, when we get to Friday's round, we're probably going to see winds up to 30 miles per hour. Uh, it, although it's not on the coast, it plays like a coastal course. So you think about a guy who you know can change their ball flight, change its trajectory, a guy who plays really well in the wind, a great ball striker, but really good with his short wedges and a good putter, that's Justin Rose. Man, Guess what? Justin Rose is playing with a little confidence. He's coming off a win at Pebble Beach where he went off about 45 to one. I think that the only reason we're seeing his price at a hundred to one is because it's really just a much more stacked field than Pebble Beach. He's probably one of my favorite bets to make because it's one of those bets. You can put $15 down and you walk away with 1500 bucks. And for some people that might not be a lot of money, but for golf tournament, it's pretty good ROI for me.
3: Oh, no doubt is. And When it comes to taking a look at more of the derivative market as well, are these guys that you also think that they have a shot to be able to win it outright, or are you taking them more or less just because they do have a little bit of value and you maybe find a guy that they might not be winning a lot of tournaments, but they're just consistently there making cuts, doing a solid job of finding themselves sort of in the hunt.
5: Yeah. So I'll say two out of the three guys that I played in the derivative market have a chance to win. So we'll start with Scotty Scheffler. I did. If anybody follows me on Twitter at Mr. Brad Thomas, I did make a play on Scotty Sheffler to win outright. But I don't think at his current odds, 100 to one, it was any there was any value. So what I did was I took Liverpool over one and a half goals and parlayed with them. If anybody's watching now, they're like, well, that game passed. You can take Real Madrid to win tomorrow and pair it with Scotty Scheffler. get you about 20 to one, which is I think is a more fair price. I have him to finish top 10 plus 110. Scotty Scheffler is the defending champion. He's one for one and successfully defending his championships by winning the Wasteman Management Phoenix Open. The reason Scotty Scheffler is so dangerous is because he does everything great. He plays really good golf. He's great tee to green. He's a good putter. He, he doesn't have too many flaws in his game. The next guy who I think can absolutely win, I took Victor Hovland literally five minutes before jumping on this podcast. I'm not going to say it's a a smart play uh, by any means because Victor Hovland struggles around the greens. He struggles around the bunkers. And those are two things that you really need. But I took him top 20 at plus 155. He finished T2 here last year. He's such a strong golfer in every aspect of his game except around the green. And it happened to him last year. Happened to him the year before when he was playing so great, but he would just gain so many strokes because he'd struggle to come out of the bunkers. He would struggle uh, in, in the rough. Here, you have to remember, at Bay Hill, it's not like your normal course where you have the green and then it's the collar. It literally goes the green and then you're in the rough. So if you're not if you're not really good with your wedges and, and really good around the green, you're going to struggle. That's why I was kind of a little scared, hesitant to bet on Victor Hovland outright. But he is such a great golfer. The things he does well are so much better than everyone else that he can still contend even while losing strokes around the green. And the last guy in my as I have in top 40, that's Thomas Dietrich, plus one, uh, 175, I think you'd probably be better off betting him uh, top 10 than to actually win. The, uh, the PGA Tour rookie has zero wins on the PGA Tour. But you have to remember, this is a guy who he's played his way into an elevated event. That alone is a big enough feat where you should be like patting yourself on the back. He's very, very deadly off the tee. Great iron player, and I would imagine he's probably one of the best putters in the field. So if you start putting well here, you can keep yourself, you can keep yourself from carding those bogeys, those double bogeys. Then uh, come Sunday, you might find yourself in the mix. And for a guy like him, who's going to be fighting for his PGA Tour status, in the mix is a top twenty finish because those points go a long way. And a guy like him, who's still trying to, you know, rack up that money to make sure he has that financial freedom, a top twenty finish at an elevated event pays you very handsomely.
3: I absolutely love it. You picked a guy in Thomas Dietrich. hit where he went to school was the university of Illinois. That was a DK nation pick that he gave out a little (laughs) bit earlier in the hour as well. So it all comes together. Absolutely. Tremendous work. That's just how we drew it up. And Brad, you always draw up a great game plan. You always do an amazing job. Whenever you come on this show, give it out a whole bunch of winners. Visa.com slash picks. If anyone missed any of those today and Brad always do appreciate it, my friend. Thank you.
5: Thanks for
3: having me. Absolutely tremendous to get Brad aboard. We talked some soccer. We talked some golf. We talked some college basketball in that hour. Now let's take a look at some conference tournament action that's going to be coming up for this Thursday on the college basketball board, and we're going to do that next. Right here on the Greg Peterson Experience, I'm v the Sports Bank Network.